Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now it's time to listen to this week's message. Well, praise the Lord. How many enjoyed the month of February? Let me see your hands. Yeah. Relationships are important according to Jesus. <laughs> and we are here this morning because of him. Amen. Come on. Jesus been good to anybody today? Oh, he is good. He is good. Well, appreciate the worship team and all the people that give each Sunday and use their gifts and are part of the giving and gifting team. We're so grateful for each and every person in this community. Well, we are in the first Sunday of March, and as Pastor Craig mentioned, we are in a new series titled Missions March, and it is one of the few traditions here in this early church, or this young church, Dwelling Place Woodstock, and you see they're lost again. Anybody ever felt lost? Lost in understanding what you're feeling? Lost in understanding what you're going through. We've all felt lost at times. And I believe that God, through this month's series, and through the communicated word and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that we're going to be found in Him again. Found in Him and His purpose for our life. And I believe that God can give us fresh fire, fresh hunger for His purpose, for His mission, for our life. Do you believe that with me? Amen. I want to start today in Titus chapter 3, beginning in verse 8 and concluding in verse 14. Titus chapter 3, verse 8 and verse 14. The Apostle Paul writing to Titus, and I'll speak more of that in a moment, says, This is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly, that those who have believed, if you're a believer today, this Likewise applies to you, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. Then verse 14, and let our people also learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs, that they may not be unfruitful. Today, I want to preach a message to you titled, Maintaining for Multiplication. Will you say that with me? Maintaining for Multiplication. I'd like to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that name is the name above every name. And I thank you that in Christ, you anoint us to preach the gospel to the poor, to the broken, the poor in spirit, to those that recognize their need, that, Lord, the anointing brings light where there has been darkness and removes blinders, it heals the brokenhearted, and I ask Holy Spirit, sweet anointing of God, that you administer to hearts and minds and lives today. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you build your church and the gates of hell will prevail. That, Lord, you're building your church in every nation and every tribe and every tongue. God, we thank you that you have brought us into your eternal purpose and we find ourselves, we find our purpose we find our delight and our fulfillment in you and your purpose for us. Lord, I just pray that we would delight in you, rejoice in you, for you alone make us complete. We're grateful for all that you've done and all that you're doing and all that you will continue to do. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. In 2014, a movie came out. It was titled Lone Survivor. It was based on a true story of actual events that occurred in late 2005. It's a story of a team of soldiers that was sent by our country on a mission to capture or to kill a Taliban leader, a leader that was responsible for executing and killing innocent Afghanis and people there in Afghanistan. They ended up, however, in a gunfight against a whole unit of Taliban soldiers. 
After much fighting, a, a soldier, one soldier named Marcus, this is the picture that you see. Marcus was the only one of the team who survived and who made it out of the specific area where the fight ensued. After he made it out of this area where the fight took place, he found some water, and as he was drinking this water, some local Afghanis found him, and they brought him to their village, a local village, a village not for Taliban fighters, but of locals. The Afghan villagers who protected Marcus, they did so out of a duty to their 2,000-year-old code of honor. It was known as Pashtunwali. Pashtunwali requires a tribe to demonstrate hospitality as well as undertake the responsibility of safeguarding an, an individual against his enemies and protecting him at all costs. This they did to the, basically the destruction of their own village as the Taliban troops came upon that village that was protecting Marcus and showing him great hospitality and following this code that had been passed down in their village and in their culture for over 2,000 years. In fact, these brave men and women still thrive today in harsh mountains of Afghanistan and they, their fight against the Taliban continues. As I saw this movie and I thought about this movie again recently, it made me think about this. Could you have imagined if Marcus, after all he had been through, I'm talking about a major, major gunfight, at this point, broken bones, major lacerations and cuts and injuries, after all he's been through of seeing his friends and other members of his team being killed, that after he made it to the village, after all that he'd been through, could you imagine if the village would have been like, hey, what was that old saying again? Hey, does anyone remember that old code and tradition about hospitality? Hey, is there anybody here in the vi village that remembers and knows what we're to do with this man, with this American? Could you imagine? If you were Marcus and after all that you have been through, after all of the pain and all of the trauma of the recent events and you make it to a village and the village has forgotten what was passed down to them? If the members of the village didn't know how to receive and how to handle the issue of a man, a foreigner, a person named Marcus who finds them himself in need. As followers of Christ, we have been handed down something of great significance. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have been handed down the mission of God. We have been handed down the eternal purpose of God. Paul, in his letter to Titus, he sent Titus to the island of Crete. He sent Titus there to set in order the code of Christ, may I call it. He has sent Titus to, to Crete to set in order the code of the New Testament. In fact, in Titus 1.16, Paul speaks of people who profess to know God, but in works they deny Him. He says they're disqualified, watch this, for every good work. In Titus 2.7, Paul says believers should show themselves to be a pattern of good works. In Titus 2.14, he says Jesus gave Himself for us that He might gain believers who would show themselves to be a pattern of good works. That Jesus gave Himself that He might gain for Himself His own special people, a people for good works. In Titus 3.1 it says that believers are to be ready for every good work. And then Titus 3.8 where we read in the beginning, this is a faithful saying. These things I want you to affirm constantly. This is a saying that I want you to pass down. A saying I want you to cause believers and those who believe in God to be reminded of constantly. 
that those who believe in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are profitable. These things are good and profitable to men. Notice Paul says this is a faithful saying. A saying, Titus, that I want to be affirmed constantly. That those who believe, those who are followers of Christ should be careful to maintain good works. Notice he says that these type of things are good and profitable to people. Meaning the opposite is true. That there are unfaithful sayings. There are sayings and there are conversations that should not be affirmed amongst the people of God. There are things that we could talk about. There are things that we could focus on that are not good and profitable for the people around us. But Paul says, let our people maintain good works. Why? That our people would be fruitful. That our people would carry on the mission of God. That would live out the very pulse of God's desire and God's heart that the Spirit of God has put within His children. I want to speak up front about careful to maintain. Notice he said, let those that have believed in God be careful to maintain. The word careful means to think carefully about something. The very root of that original word in the Greek language means the faculty of the mind perceiving and judging. It's translated normally as understanding. Meaning Paul is saying, listen, I need the people of God, Titus, to have an understanding to maintain such things. We could summarize and say that the word careful means a thoughtful calculation that is rooted in perceiving and judging correctly with understanding. I need the people, Titus, to have a thoughtful, correct judgment that leads to careful consideration with understanding regarding good works. See, I want to say up front that we who are lost in sin and darkness but now have been found in Christ, that we cannot afford to be lost again. That we cannot afford to have lost again the pattern that's over 2,000 years old, the pattern of the New Testament, the pattern of the faith that was handed down once and for all, like Jude says in his letter, that we can't afford again to lose what we have come to find in Jesus Christ. We cannot allow the understanding of God's pattern to be lost and not handed down to the next generation, to our children, to the next generation of believers, to the next gener generation of people that will come into the community called the family of God and come into this local church called Dwelling Place. In fact, Paul praised another minister, another person that was a part of his team, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 3.10, because he says Timothy had carefully followed his doctrine, watch this, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, and perseverance. Listen, talking about doctrine that doesn't lead to a manner of life, it's not good to affirm. But Timothy had a doctrine that affected his manner of life, how he lived. In fact, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.13 and 2 Timothy 2.2, hold fast to the pattern of sound words. Hold fast to the pattern of sound teaching. Keep it by the Holy Spirit. Guard what was committed to his trust. Do you understand that there is a code, that there is a kingdom culture, that there are truths that have been handed down that are precious to the people of God? That the church of Jesus Christ is what upholds the pillar and the standard of God's heart for the world and for the broken and for the needy, for the nations around us. He says, guard what was committed to your trust. Do you understand today, believer, that God has committed something to your trust? Do you understand that you've been handed down something that has a legacy in Jesus Christ, that has a legacy in God and His work upon the history of the earth? Do you understand that there is something that is within your heart and within your grasp and within your understanding today that is of great significance? 
a greater significance than Pashtun Wali and the tradition and the code that the Afghani villagers have held on to. We're talking about the mission of God. We're talking about the purpose of God. We're talking about why God, why God even why He created the, the earth and why He created you and I. This brings us back to what Paul told Titus there in 3.8. He said, this is a faithful saying. These things I want you to confirm constantly. That those who believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good. These things are profitable to people. The first point I want to highlight, if you're feeling lost is that if you will feel, or you will feel found again, if you will feel what you had found again. I'll say it again. Listen to me. In moments and times and seasons you feel lost, believer, follower of Christ, you will feel found again if you feel what you had found again. You ever feel lost in what you are to do? Well, listen to me. Just as the Holy Scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus, listen, the Scriptures are able to make you wise for good works through faith in Jesus Christ. The Scriptures are not just given to make you wise in how to come into a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The Scriptures are not just given to bring you to faith in Jesus and then leave you helpless. The Scriptures also can make you wise for God's purpose for you, make you wise in the good works that God has prepared beforehand for you. That as a follower of Jesus Christ, we should walk and we should have a sense of purpose more than any other person that's on the planet, that we should have about us an understanding of how we fit into the eternal purpose of God, how we can march on mission in the plan and with the heart of God, that if you will feel again what you had received, you won't feel lost anymore. The Holy Spirit will drive out such feelings of feeling lost, of feeling a sense of not knowing your purpose of not knowing what is of value for you daily, weekly, month in, and month out, year after year. I want to tell believers today and tell you today and tell those that are watching live stream to hold fast the Scriptures in your hand again. If you're feeling lost, why don't you, you'll feel found again if you'll feel what you have been given. The Scriptures and God's Word to you and I his clarity on why we're here, His clarity on our purpose, His clarity on His mission and how we fit into the eternal purpose, that if you will, you'll feel found again if you'll feel what you have found again. Some of you have forgotten that when you came out of your sin and you were living in depression and darkness and God's light reached you and the salvation of Jesus Christ reached you, you have forgotten the excitement you had to learn that God had given you instructions, that He had given you insight to His plan, that He had been given words that can guide your life and guide your affections and guide your pursuits and priority. And I'm telling you today that the Spirit of God wants you to understand that you will feel found again if you will feel in your hand what you had found again. That if you will go back and remember what God has already taught you in the Word, what God has already given you understanding in the Word about, that if you'll feel again and hold fast again the Scriptures, not just on Sunday, but day in and day out, you'll feel found again. You need to get it back in your hand. Open the book where you find the pattern. Open the book where you learn the mission, God's mission for you. Feel again consistently in your hand the Scriptures. Feel again the Word of God that you have found before you. The Word of God that's given you light before. The Word of God that's given you a sense of purpose before. The Word of God that's given you an understanding of God's love before. The Word of God that's given you an understanding of the scope of God's mission and God's heart for the nations and for our city and for our region. It's like what John was instructed to tell the church in Ephesus. He said, return to your first love. Hey, church of Ephesus, return to your first love. In fact, repeatedly Jesus in His communication to the seven churches of Asia 
said, hold fast, hold fast, hold fast. He tells them repeatedly in his communication, the seven churches of Asia, he says, hold fast again what you've received before. Hold fast again to what he's already said to you before. Hold fast again to what He's already taught you before. See, when you don't hold fast to what the Lord has already taught you, what the Lord has already given you understanding about, what the Lord has already instructed you before about, you'll feel lost again. But if you will feel again and focus again on what the Lord has already given you before, you won't feel lost anymore. The fire and the passion for His purpose and your purpose in Him will return again. See, if you will, you will feel found again. If you will feel what you had found again. Don't forget that you used not to know the value of God's scriptures. Don't forget that before you didn't know that you could find hope and comfort in God's written word. Don't forget what it was like when you first found joy and hope and comfort in the Scriptures. You feeling lost? Well, you'll feel found again if you'll feel what you had found again. Maybe others of you are here today saying, Well, Pastor Chad, what about a time when I have held fast to what I have been given but even as I held fast to what I had been given, I began to feel lost again. Well, Revelations 2.25 is for you, is what Jesus told one of the churches in Asia. He says, hold fast what you have till I come. Hold fast what you have till I come. What does that mean? Till Jesus comes with a new understanding. Till Jesus comes by the Holy Spirit with new instructions for your life. Until Jesus comes with a new command, hold fast to what you do have. Listen to me. An inability to hold fast to what we do have when desiring for what we do not have is a fruit of immaturity. I'll say it again. An inability to hold fast to what we do have when desiring for what we do not have is a fruit of of immaturity. And Jesus says, listen, if you're feeling lost and you're wanting some new insight, if you're wanting some new guidance, if you're wanting new revelation of me and my heart for people around you and my heart for, for you, you got to first learn to maintain holding fast to what I've already revealed and taught you. And you hold fast until I come to you again. You hold fast until I fill you with fire again. You hold fast again until you weep in my presence again for the broken in heart. You got to hold fast to what you have until I come to you again. Listen, you need newness to hit in your marriage and hit you in your career. Then Jesus' word to you and I is you got to first hold fast to what you've already been given. And only as you hold fast to that will he come with newness. See, the fruit of immaturity is fruit of always desiring something new. Something even maybe trendy. A fruit of immaturity is a fruit of getting more excited about something new than being excited because it is true. You shouldn't just get excited because the Lord's given you a new instructions or given you a new understanding of who He is or giving you a new command for this season. You should be excited not because it's new, but because it's true. Because it is a revelation of who He is. That it is allowing you to get more in tune with that which is stable and unshakable. We're not just to get excited that it's new. We're to get excited because it's true. Because if you're just excited that it's new, there's coming a day when it will no longer be new to you. And if you were just excited because it's new, when it's not new, you won't hold fast to it. You won't focus on it. You won't prioritize it. But we have to get excited because it's true. See, in all areas, what was once new and true then becomes just true and no longer new. See, things early on when I returned to the Lord and 
after eating the fruit of my backsliding. I, there, everything was so new to me. Scriptures that I, I never, it's like I never read them or saw them again. They were new to me. Jesus' love and compassion towards me was new again. There was so much that was new. But now around 20 years later, those things are not new any longer. But they're still true. That circumstances and where I'm at today and what I'm facing today doesn't change those things being true. They might no longer be new, but they're still true. And that's why we hold fast to it. He says, hold fast to it. In the beginning when we were found by God's grace or in the beginning when we returned to our first love, so much was new. Because, we listen, we had so much to learn. But then a major transition is to take place. To transition of maturing. Where all the things that are, were so new no longer are new. But the transition is that even when the newness wears off, we learn to maintain consistently what we have learned and received up to this point in following Jesus. Now listen, that's called change. If you know anything about yourself or anything about those around you or anything about all of us that's here today is that our flesh, our natural ability doesn't like change. But this change is necessary. It's like the old saying, this is where the rubber meets the road. Are you just excited that it was new? Are you going to be excited because it's true? And change is necessary. Why? Because maturity is necessary. And maturity is necessary because God's eternal purpose calls us to such a height of maturity. So, so often believers, we find ourselves and we're just crying out and begging for what's new. New, new, new. But what the Lord wants is new character and maturity. We just want new knowledge and new understanding. And it's only when you hold fast to what used to be new knowledge and new understanding, when it's no longer new because it's true, listen, only then do you get maturity. See, before godliness, according to 2 Peter 1, there first has to be self-control and perseverance. You have to learn to depend on the Holy Spirit to have self-control to hold fast to what He's already taught you, what He's already instructed you. And only as you depend on the Holy Spirit to empower you to hold fast to it and you persevere even when the newness wears off, even when it's no longer trendy, do you get godliness. What's a great definition of godliness? Jesus Christ, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Godliness means Jesus Christ is the same because he's godly. Whether it's new, whether it's old, whether it's a different context, new environment doesn't change who he is. And I'm burdened at the church at large. I'm talking about the church at large in America. I'm burdened that the church at large would return to our heritage and what at the beginning of the birth of the church we would hold fast faithfully again to. In Acts 2 and verse 40, we read about the heritage that you and I come from the origin and the beginnings of the church of Jesus Christ. And in verse 40 it says, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. How many would like to see that? And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. In the breaking of bread... And in prayers, then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Verse 44. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Verse 46. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people, And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Notice what you 
find here. They were gathering. Verse 46 says, With one accord in the temple and from house to house, they were gathering. This is what they were doing. They were gathering. This is the heritage. So many believers, so many people in our country are no longer gathering. Notice it says that those who believe were together. We can't be a believer and try to live this thing out by ourselves. We got to get together like we're doing now with other believers. God's purpose can't be lived out alone. Your purpose in Christ can't be lived out alone, but they were gathering. Secondly, they were growing. Verse 42 says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That code of ethics, that code of the culture of the kingdom of God, that code that was written upon our hearts when we got born again, but what it looks like, that pattern of sound teaching, they were holding fast to it. They were continuing steadfastly even when the newness wore off. Even when the Apostle Paul left them, went to another place, they still held fast to it. They devoted themselves steadfastly to it, but not just that. They were not just gathering and growing, they were grouping. Verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the Apostles' doctrine and, watch this, fellowship. Fellowship. And then they were giving, verse 45, they divided possessions and goods among all as anyone had need. And it led to, listen, an effective going. An effective going at work, in the community, in the stores. It says in verse 47, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Notice that. It was maintaining all of the pattern. That led to being able to experience having favor with all the people. Do we want favor with the community around us? Do we want favor with the people around us? That need to know that only hope and life can be found in Jesus Christ? You don't walk in that kind of favor until you learn to maintain what was handed down to us. It's in the maintaining of the code of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus... That you find the Lord pouring out His favor. Giving us a voice. Giving us a sound that attracts and, and causes the ears of the lost and hurting and broken around us to perk up. And this is what God's called dwelling place to. This is what He's called this movement to. To maintain faithfully what the early church held and maintained to. That we're not just gathering on Sunday. But we're growing individually and growing together in the pattern of sound teaching. That we're not just gathering on Sunday and growing, but we're also grouping and growing in our relationship and our fellowship with one another. That we're not just gathering and growing and grouping, but we're also giving of our time and our resources and our gifts and our talents for the glory of God. And all of that then leads to us effectively going. Marching on mission. Marching with the heartbeat of God. Marching with the love of God. Marching in tune with God's mission for those that are hurting around us. Can I hear one amen this morning? DP Woodstock, DP Movement, we have to maintain the heritage we come from. The heritage of the early church. Some of you are forgetting why we do what we do. I'm talking to believers. I'm talking to leaders. I'm talking to people that's been here from the beginning. You need to feel the word again for why we do what we do. And then you will feel again the value and passion for what we are to maintain. How do you keep the, the consistent gathering, the consistent growing, the consistent grouping and giving as we're going? How do you keep that? From becoming dry in your heart, I'll tell you how. Feel the word again while we do it. Feel the word again. And when you know the why for why we do it, it'll give you passion again for it. We don't just grow because we think it's a good idea. We grow because it's God's design for His people to grow. We don't just group together because we think it's a good idea. It's because it's God's design for us to group together. You got to remember the why of why we do what we do. Listen to me. 
Because it's only the pattern maintained that maintains the possibility for multiplication. We want to see Ephesians 3.20 not just be talked about. We want to walk in it, a God who can do more than we could ever imagine or ask by His power at work within us. Not waiting for a power to come from heaven, but His power already within us. Do you want to be a part of seeing that power do more than we could ever imagine or ask? Well, it only happens when the pattern is maintained that then that maintains the possibility for multiplication. For us looking back in five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, saying, oh my God, look at the power of His grace and favor that He poured upon us. But it all comes back to this, us maintaining something, not just because it's new, but maintaining something because it's true. Because God says, this is the way I've designed to keep you full of fire, keep you filled with my love, keep you filled with compassion for people, keep you in a posture that's moldable, bendable, usable, to keep you in a posture where you're standing on the edge like we sang, saying, Lord, use me, use me. See, our mission is we exist to gather people to Jesus Christ. Lead them to biblical maturity for the multiplication of believers, leaders, and churches. I think about how Paul told Titus. He says, listen, I want you to affirm consistently. Now, you got to understand, Crete was an island. He said, I want you to set elders in every city. What it means is, is Paul's talking about how to have multiplication for a nation. He didn't just send Titus to one city in Crete. He sent him to set the whole island, the whole country in the order. This is the mission we're called to. Jesus said, I don't just want some disciples in Woodstock and Canton, but I want some disciples for me in all the nations of the world. And it's possible because he says, I have all authority. If you'll follow me, you go in that authority. And that authority can open doors that no man can close. And it can close doors that no man can open. And he says, lo, I'm with you always to the end. Of the age. But if Titus is to affirm consistently for believers to maintain good works, listen, you can be certain that in maintaining good works, you will feel the affirming witness of the Father consistently. If Titus is to affirm to believers constantly that they're to maintain good works, you can be certain that in maintaining good works, you will feel the affirming witness of the Father consistently. I can't tell you how many times driving home after growth phases, after doing one of the things that God has designed and called His people to, to pass down the teaching of what Christ has established through His finished work and New Testament understanding of who we are and the plan and the purpose of God, how many times at driving home after that that I feel the witness of God's Spirit enter the car. The peace that rolls like streams of water. It's in maintaining the good works that you constantly feel the witness of the Father and His Spirit. You ever feel lost in what you have to give? Because you feel lost in what you have to give, you don't maintain good works. You say, I don't know what works I can do. I don't know what good works I can offer. Listen to me. That's why it says you should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. When you feel lost in what you have to give, remember, you have good works that you can give. And you know what the power of good works are? Notice what it says. It don't just profit you. It profits everybody. Do you understand when believers, when you and I live out the good works, it also profits this community? Because you make up the community. And as the people of the community go, so does a community go. And as the people of a community go, so does a region go. And as the people of a region go, so does the nation go. He says, listen, the reason we're to maintain good works is because it profits people. Good works profit people. That's why Paul told Timothy, he said, you got to deal with some issues in Ephesus. In 1 Timothy 1, 3-4, he said, there's a lot of people that are focusing and giving themselves to things that don't promote God's building work, but promote strife and useless debates. 
genealogies, discussions, hypothetical things. He said, listen, no. You devote yourself to that which promotes God's building work. Guess what that is? That's good works. Because good works profit all people. Don't devote yourself to fruitless discussion, fruitless focus. You will get deceived again if you devote yourself wrongly again. You want to know how to slow things down at your job and your career? Start devoting yourself to disputes, arguments, complaining. See, that doesn't promote the work moving forward. You got to promote yourself to that which leads to God's building work. So if, listen, if you feel lost again, then maintain again. Maintain gathering and growing and grouping, giving again. If you feel lost again, then maintain what God's already spoke and revealed and taught you again. I want to say to leaders who's been at DP for a good while now, the same exhortation that Paul told Titus to tell the believers in Crete would apply to us. Be careful to maintain. Listen, because there are others that need to learn to maintain. Be careful to maintain because there are new people in the community and that God has brought here that need to learn to maintain. And when I, as a leader and as a person who's been here longer than others, and you, if you're a leader, if you stop being careful to maintain, it makes it harder for the people that God's bringing in now to learn to maintain. Let me talk now about Learn to maintain. In Titus 3.14, he says, And let our people also learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs that they may not be unfruitful. The second major point I want you to hear this morning is you will be found if you seek why you feel lost. When you find yourself in seasons and you find yourself going through things and you feel lost again, listen, you will be found if you seek why you feel lost. That in the seeking, God will cause you to learn how to maintain what it is He's teaching and instructing you. If you feel lost, you'll feel found if you'll seek fast the Scriptures to be in your hand. I want to tell young believers, I want to tell seekers here today, I want to tell people that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You feel lost, if, listen, if you'll start seeking Him and His Word, you'll be found. If you'll open the book where you find the pattern for your life, where you learn of the mission of God, when you learn of God's reason for doing all of this, it's in the seeking that learning takes place. This is why He allows us at times to feel lost, to get us seeking again. Jesus said this is how the kingdom of God operates. Look at Matthew 7 and verse 7 with me. Matthew 7 and verse 7, He says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Notice that. If you have a petition, you have a need, ask him. You'll receive. But listen, if you feel lost, seek him and you will find. I think of Josiah. In 2 Chronicles 34, you read of the account of Josiah. He became king at eight years old. Now you could imagine becoming king and a leader at eight years old and the complexity and the burden of that. I don't know if any of us here today would have that weight of responsibility upon our shoulders that Josiah had. And in Josiah you find a beautiful example of how to learn to maintain Read along with me in 2 Chronicles 34 and verse 3. It says, For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, that would be 16 at the time, he began to seek the Lord, the God of his father, David. 
And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem. Now, what's interesting is he didn't seek the ways of his father because his father did complete evil in the sight of the Lord, the Bible says. He was murdered. He had heard that there was a code. He had heard that there was a culture. He had heard that he had a grandfather that walked in the ways and the heart of God and God's purpose and God's mission for why he did all this. And he began to seek not what he grew up in and what he knew about, but he began to seek what he had heard, what was possible, what others before had experienced. He began to seek the God of his father David, and in the twelfth year he began to purge. See, it's when you begin to seek that then the purging will take place, and in the purging, what make, is making you feel lost will be removed so you can feel found again. You can find your passion again. Find a sense of purpose again. Find the joy of your salvation again. For some of you, find true life again. Being born again in a relationship with your Creator. It says that he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images. They broke down the altars of the bales in his presence and the incense altars which were above them. He cut down and the wooden images, the carved images, the molded images, he broke in pieces and made dust of them and scattered it on the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. Verse 8. In the 18th year of his reign, when he had purged the land and the temple, he sent Shaphan, the son of Aziliah, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of Johaz, the recorder. Watch this. To repair the house of the Lord. Watch it. He began to seek... Then he began to purge. Then he began to repair. When they came to Hilkiah, the high priest, they delivered the money that was brought into the house of God, which the Levites who kept the doors had gathered from the hand of Manasseh and Ephraim, from all the remnant of Israel, from all Judah and Benjamin, and which they had brought back to Jerusalem. Verse 10. Then they put it in the hand of the foreman who had the oversight of the house of the Lord. They gave it to the workmen who worked in the house of the Lord to repair and to restore the house. They gave it to the craftsmen and builders to buy hewn stones and timber for beams and to floor the houses which the kings of Judah had destroyed. And the men did the work faithfully. The overseers were Jahath and Obadiah the Levites, the sons of Zechariah and Mishalem, the sons to supervise. Others of the Levites, all of whom were skillful, with instruments of music, watch this, were over the burden bearers. I love that. Burden bearers sounds a lot like Ephesians 4 when it says when every part does its share, the body will grow. The mission will be more fulfilled. The heart of God will be encountered more and more by the city and those around them. The burden bearers and were overseers of all who did work in any kind of service. Some of the Levites were scribes, officers, gatekeepers, but it's all a good work. Now when they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, watch this, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. Notice this. Josiah in his seeking, it led him to purging. And the purging led to provisions. Meaning when he began to seek the Lord, he began to find God's will and he began to purge and act on what he was hearing from the Lord. Listen, and it caused others to want to be a part and they started giving. So much that money was flowing into the temple. Then they took the money and they distributed it to the burden bearers, those who was actually doing work. Those who were going out and ministering to the poor. Those that were ministering to the single mothers. Those that was going and, and uh, praying for people and reaching uh, Kennesaw State on the campus. They began to give it to the burden bearers. Now watch this. When the money that came in went out to those who was doing the work, then they found the book of the law. What, what are we talking about here? Listen, it was only when they were faithful maintaining what they knew to maintain. And it was only when they were faithful doing what they knew to do that they found more of God's plan and purpose for them. They found the book of the law. Josiah then found the full pattern for his day. Meaning, some of you God has brought you here. Many of you God has brought you here. And he's brought you here to learn to maintain the pattern. 
Some of you are like me and you've been weaved through multiple denominations, multiple church experiences, multiple life experiences, but he's brought you a part of his mission and his heartbeat for dwelling place movement to begin to learn to maintain his pattern, the culture of his kingdom, the full scope of what we have inheritance in, that which is to be passed down from generation to generation as we sing about, to understand the full mission of God, the full plan of God, the full New Testament and Jesus' finished work. We have to learn to maintain the pattern, not just the parts of the pattern we like. Some of you might say, well, I'm no longer young like Josiah. Maybe not, but listen, you can still be young in heart. You might not be young in age, but you can be young at heart. You can still be young in heart seeking the Lord, seeking to learn more of the pattern, seeking to learn more of the good works He has for you. See, the young in heart still seek, but the old in heart stagnate. Stagnation means they have stopped. It's a failure to develop and progress or advance. But maturation and maturity leads to maintaining what we have been taught and passed down. If you feel lost again, listen, then begin to learn again. I want to tell some people that have had bad church experiences that have left you feeling lost again, God's brought you here to begin to learn again. To learn not just the words of the Lord, but to learn His way of how to live out His will. God brought you here to learn again, to learn the pattern, to learn the growth process of living out the pattern. I found that, listen, the ways of your past are normally not the way for His future. In conclusion, I have often at times failed to see and to remember how the roots of the purpose of God are foreshadowed in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. That God in His dealing with the nation of Israel we find foreshadowed and we find the substance of His purpose for you and I that are here today in the New Testament. I was greatly refreshed this week as I read Deuteronomy chapter 1 through 11 seeing parallels that now find fulfillment in Christ as a member of His body. Paul, without a doubt, he utilized such themes in his ministry. And also specifically here in his exhortation to Titus regarding being careful to maintain and learning to maintain. One thing that really stirred me that is extremely important for Dwelling Place Movement to be mindful of and to accept as God has great days ahead as we gather people to Jesus Christ and lead them to biblical maturity for the multiplication of believers, leaders, and churches as found in Deuteronomy 11 verse 1. Follow it with me. He says, Therefore you shall love the Lord your God and keep His charge, His statutes, His judgments, His commandments always. Know today that I do not speak with your children who have not known and who have not seen the chastening of the Lord your God that have not seen His greatness and His mighty hand and His outstretched arm. I don't speak to those who's not seen His signs and His acts which He did in the midst of Egypt to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and to all His land. What He did to the army of Egypt, to their horses and their chariots. How He made the waters of the Red Sea overflow them as they pursued you. How the Lord has destroyed them to this day. What He did for you in the wilderness until you came to this place. What he did to Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, the son of Reuben, how the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up, their households, their tents, all the substance that was in their possession in the midst of all Israel. Verse 7, But your eyes have seen every great act of the Lord which he did. Therefore you shall keep every commandment which I command you today that you may be strong. Watch this. Go in and possess the land which you cross over to possess. That you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swore to give your fathers. To them and their descendants, a land flowing with milk and honey. For the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. But the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water from the rain of heaven, a land from which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God and serve Him with all your heart, with all your soul, then I will give you the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain. 
that you may gather in your grain, your new wine, and your oil. I love it. Listen to what's taking place here. God is saying to those who have already been taught, taught some things from the Lord, taught His mission and His strategy for them. For us, it would be to those that God's already taught His mission and the strategy of gathering and growing and grouping and giving as we're going. He's saying to those who have experienced some already lessons, to those that God's already brought you through other church cultures and other church hurts and other experiences, and He's brought you to a place to understand what He's wanting to do, His pattern, His more holistic church, His more holistic expression. To those of you that know that, He says, be faithful to maintain what what He's taught you. Because listen, He says, I am not saying it to the next generation. That the next generation of people that get born again and become believers here, that the next generation of people that become leaders here, to the next generation who becomes a church planting team and part of church plants here. He's saying, understand that I'm not saying it to them. I'm saying it to you who are here at this time. And it's only in your faithful maintaining of what I've said to you that the new believers, the new leaders, the new churches that come in can ever, ever, ever see and learn to maintain what you currently choose to maintain now i got to tell D.P. Woodstock and D.P. Movement again that there's people that's coming into this village. There's people that's coming into the village of God to His love and salvation. And they've not been through what we've been through. They've not been led through the wilderness. They've not seen the mighty signs and wonders. They haven't experienced what you've experienced to bring you to this point of understanding the importance of a holistic church. To understand the importance of the pattern of sound teaching and that leads to the pattern of good works. They don't know it. But God's called us to know it, that we would go ahead and that when they come in, they would see us faithfully maintaining it so that they could learn it and that it could lead to multiplication. Listen, multiplication can only take place when there's maintaining. Only then can our children and our children's children, the new children of God, begin to take up full expression of Christ and His church. He says to those who have been through what we've been through and have learned by the grace and the mercy of God to see holistic churches made where mature disciples can be formed. He says be careful to maintain it and teach the next generations diligently. Teach the next generation of believers diligent. Teach the next generation of leaders diligent. Teach the next generation of church planners and the movement diligently. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. Because listen to me, there are people coming to our DP village. They're coming into our DP churches and they're broken and they're wounded. They've been in a war with the enemy of their soul like Marcus was in a natural war. Though we don't fight a war, flesh and blood, but principalities and powers, they're coming in. Many of them are coming in with church hurt. Many of them are just getting enough courage, as we sang about, to enter the doors of the community again, to open themselves up to other broken people, to love them and to commit with them on the journey of following Jesus. And we must not, when the people come into our village, look at each one another and say, what's the pattern again? What are we to do with them? What are we to teach them? What are we to show? We must not, when we find new people coming into the village, find ourselves not depending on the power of God's Spirit to maintain what it is He's called us and already taught us to obey. Because they're coming in wounded from the enemy of their soul. Coming in from broken marriages and broken homes coming in from addictions and running from pain and issues of the past. And may us as a community, when they come in, not find ourselves asking one another, what are we to do? If you feel lost today, you can be found again. If you'll feel 
what God had taught you before. You feel distracted and don't know what to do. You can be found again if you'll begin to do what God has told us. He said, careful to maintain. You know, we're only careful with things that we come to find great value in. There are some things in our house they can be bounced, thrown. But things of great value you got to be careful with. And I hear the Spirit of God saying to us, He'll give us the good of the land that Jesus has purchased by His blood. He'll give us people that are far from God and people that are broken and people that are in a battle with the enemy of their soul all over. He'll give them to us, His inheritance. If we'll be careful to remember the value of what He's committed to our trust. If that's you, you say, Lord, I want to be on the edge. I want to be used. And it starts with maintaining for the potential multiplication. I want you, as they begin to sing, to stand to your feet all across here. Because he says, be careful to maintain. And he says to others, start learning to maintain. Make it a prayer. Again, thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at www.dwellingplacemovement.org.